friends, welcome to the official podcast of Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders. This podcast exists to inspire, encourage, and ignite your kingdom purpose while equipping you to reach your potential for a global harvest. Be sure to follow us on social media and share this podcast with your friends so you can be encouraged. On today's episode, Val Hughes, an incredible educator and mentor who has a heart for the next generation's leaders, talks about the culture we live in, the impact it's having on this generation, and what we can do to spiritually fight against it. You don't want to go anywhere, so let's get into today's episode. Hughes here. So excited to be a part of Next Gen and podcasts for 2024. I just want to start by giving honor to the Next Gen team, our media and creative team, and our podcast team. All of you are amazing folks who just work diligently for all of us here in Oklahoma to make sure that Next Gen is always providing an excellent resource to everyone. And You know, I, of course, just love NextGen and just trying to get everybody to get on board with their kingdom purpose. And we really believe that NextGen leaders are called to impact your generation with your gifts and your callings and your strategy for building up the kingdom in whatever capacity that you find yourself because no job in the kingdom is ever too small. This podcast today is pointed straight to ministry leaders, to hyphen students, to next-gen entrepreneurs, to ministry leaders, to young adults, to pastors, to everyone concerned about the world in which we find ourselves in 2024. And every resource that I reference will be um, included in the episode notes, the show notes, or as a link on your um, your podcast platform. I will be referring to the work of David Kinnaman, president of Barna, the researchers at Barna, and their book entitled Faith for Exiles quite a bit, and I want to give credit to where credit is due. There is also another researcher, her name is Kara Powell, that I will be uh, giving credit to quite a bit. Um, You know, culture is a really big deal. It's been said that culture eats strategy for breakfast every day. And culture is tough to overcome. It's tough to move contrary to culture. And the Bible has a lot to say about culture. You know, Daniel, like the men of Issachar, he was a man who understood the culture of his time and the world in which he lived. Daniel had watched the mightiest king in the world be judged by God and sent to live as an ox in the field. He ate grass like an animal in the fields around the palace for seven years. And so funny to think about those social media posts if that had happened today. Hey, the king is doing the weirdest thing. Um, we heard that old King Nebi is out in the field with the cows and the horses, and he's eating grass like an ox. Now, just think about Daniel. Daniel, any prophet who had witnessed that craziness would for sure know that God was real and had the world securely in his hand. And God did not allow the king to return to the palace and act like a man again until the king realized that that God was the highest of all the kings and he ruled the kingdoms of the world. 
you might say, well, that's a crazy story, but I really believe that that happened. And then another prophet, Jeremiah, he was concerned about the remnant living in Babylon. There had been many prophets had been lying to the people about how soon they were going to go back to Jerusalem. And Jeremiah told the people that the captivity would be long. And so he told them, he said, stop just camping here. I want you to build houses and I want you to, you know, live in those houses. I want you to plant gardens and eat their fruit from those gardens. And Daniel said that God had commanded the people to raise a family and to be increased and to not be diminished. And there's some a scripture that we like to quote from Jeremiah 29 and 11 as a life verse, but there's context all around that verse. God was promising this full circle to the Israelites who had been taken captive as slaves. So when we quote Jeremiah 29, we're quoting something that happened while they were in exile, while they were captives, while they weren't even living in Jerusalem. And we could argue that we're living the same as those Israelite captives in Babylon. Do you realize that the time of their captivity was so long that the people began to forget what Jerusalem looked like. They lived in the land of foreigners so long that they began to take on the culture of Babylon, which was somewhat true to what they'd been commanded to do. I mean, build houses, live in the houses, you know, be a part of the land. And so they, they had started assimilating into this culture. And ancient Babylon was a pagan, but a very spiritual hyper-stimulated, multicultural, imperial crossroads that became the unwilling home of the Judean exiles in the 6th century. And the Babylon of the Bible was the culture that really set itself against the purposes of God, a human society that that just gave a lot of glory to pride and power and prestige and pleasure. Now, since the New Testament church started, truly, Every born-again believer has been living in a land that does not belong to us. Just like the Israelites, we've built homes, we've built gardens, we've increased, and increasingly we are assimilated into this culture around us. And the God of this world is not our king. This world is governed by a system that is hostile to every born-again Christian. Everyone who believes the Bible and believes that God is real. I like to compare this world system and the culture of the world to pickle juice. If we're pickled long enough, then we're going to taste, we're going to smell, and we're going to look just like a pickle. Now, the author of the book that I'm referring to, his name is David Kahneman, he says the pages of scripture and the annals of human history um, suggest that there are times when faith is at the center of society and there are times when faith is pushed to the margin. Now, If you've been paying any attention to our culture right now, you already know this answer. We have widespread changes. We've been racing toward a post-Christian society. And with that comes the consequences to both society and to the church. Our culture has been marked by three words, access, alienation, and authority. Now, in this book that I read, Faith for Exiles, David Kinnaman and his research team at Barna have coined a phrase that describes our accelerated, complex culture of unlimited access, profound alienation, and a crisis of authority, and they're calling that digital Babylon. So in digital Babylon, information is available instantly, and the Almighty God has mostly been shoved to the corner. And even if you desire God to be at the center of your life, you constantly have to fight the centrifugal force of a world spinning us away from God. 
in Digital Babylon, the Bible is one of the many voices that interpret human behavior and experiences, but it's no longer viewed as a central authority of society. In Digital Babylon, most people wish to appear devout and to look spiritual. And in Jerusalem, you know, our Jerusalem, people prize good spiritual behavior. They, they like to follow the rules and they like to have moral purity. But in Digital Babylon, there's no single right way of life. And back in Jerusalem, just like those exiles, we once had deep spiritual longings which were skillfully cultivated and tended by authorities and families and churches. And unfortunately, in Digital Babylon, those deep spiritual longings have been replaced by things like binging Netflix and continual immersive gaming and social media scrolling. And I'm not talking against technology. I am using technology right now to record this podcast. What Barna is saying is this. If we aren't vigilant and intentional, Digital Babylon keeps us so entertained that we never get around to pursuing the things of the spirit and of life. And I'm as guilty with this as any of you that are listening. And I know that the audience that is listening, I I believe that all of you want and need more than to just be, um, have all those spiritual longings replaced. And I know all of you have this massive kingdom potential and you have purpose and you have gifts and you have callings. And so my question for the podcast is this, has the culture of this digital Babylon lulled you to sleep? Is the pickle juice having a greater impact on your walk with Jesus than you'd care to admit? And I would hope that you would realize it's okay to be honest with yourself right here. In a 1965 sermon, Dr. Martin Luther King said this, We have allowed our technology to outdistance our theology, and for this reason, we find ourselves caught up with many problems. This was 1965. Now, in Digital Babylon, we have four exile groups, and these For the purposes of the book, these would be the 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in Christian homes. So these are are young adults who grew up going to church and in a Christian home. And the research has referred to them as prodigals, nomads, habitual churchgoers, and resilient disciples. Now, prodigals do not currently identify as a Christian, but they, remember, they attended church as a teen or a child. Nomads are classified as not having attended church in the past month. Habitual churchgoers attend church at least once a month, but they're not engaged disciples with established core values of the church. And then the last category, the resilient disciples. These attend church at least monthly. They are um, disciples that engage with their church their church. They trust that the Bible is an authority in their life. They are committed to serving Jesus. They affirm the death, burial, and the resurrection, and they desire to transform a broader society as an outcome of their faith. And all this, again, is from Faith for Exiles. Recent data shows that the church dropout rates among these groups So these four groups, 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in Christian homes, has risen from 59% to 64% since 2011. So the church dropout rate among 18 to 29-year-olds who grew up in Christian homes has risen to 64%. And as more and more young adults are leaving the church with no plan to ever return, It's a surprise that only 10% of Christian 20-somethings, which the UPCI calls this group hyphen, 
So 10%, only 20, only 10% are called resilient disciples. So how do we make these numbers not so scary? And what is our responsibility as leaders, as pastors, as young adults, as students? And how do we facilitate this habitual um, churchgoers into moving into the next category of being a resilient disciple? Because here's some more numbers for you. Typical 15 to 23-year-olds are using screen media for 2,767 hours per year. So that's a typical 15 to 23-year-old. So almost 3,000 hours per year. And then the typical 15 to 23-year-old that is a churchgoer is taking in 291 hours of spiritual content. Now, Obviously, screen media, that could be anything. You know, screen media is just looking at the little rectangle thing that we all hold in our hands. Um, so all of those 3,000 hours are not bad. It's just the number of hours that most 15 to 23-year-olds are looking at a screen. And then if you, com if you compare that to the almost 300 hours of spiritual content in a year, you know, that that makes me kind of pause and say, oh, I would be curious what the numbers are for us in the older generations. Now, I don't wish for this podcast to be gloom and doom. Rather, I would love for everyone to think about where they fit in this landscape and how we're all going to make sure that Jerusalem isn't a forgotten place. What does discipleship for high school seniors look like in the local church? What does it look like in the home? Are we preparing students to be resilient and to be faithful in a culture that coerces them at every turn? Are we preparing them to live a vibrant life in the spirit? And again, in this book, Faith for Exiles, the author offers many suggestions of how to create more resilient disciples that live a vibrant life in the spirit. And I want to offer some suggestions. Some of these suggestions also come from a researcher, Kara Powell. She's a PhD at the Fuller Institute. And again, I'll link her book and her podcast information in the show notes. Kara says this, and I would, obviously the research says it, and I agree that most teens are asking these three questions. So teens and young adults, one, who am I? Two, where do I fit? And three, what difference can I make? Now, if these students are going to receive the answers that they're longing for, they've got to have caring adults who are full of love and grace and adults that lean in with empathy and they practice, you know, all kinds of good listening skills. They gently are able to point them in the direction of better answers and is it better for us as the older generations to point our fingers and criticize and push teens and young adults away? Or ought we be leaning in and gently returning their questions with a question? And if we don't spend time with the students who are curious, they're going to find the answers. I mean, go back to the 3,000 hours. <clears throat> Either from, you know, they're going to find the answers from their peers or from TikTok or from YouTube or whatever app that's popular this week. Um, and in all of our conversations with students and young adults and with all of our teaching and our lessons, are we truly answering the questions that they want or are we answering questions that not, that the, no one is ever even asking? 
because we as the older generations living lives um, in digital Babylon, are we telling them the wonder of Jerusalem through prayer and demonstration of, the, of signs and wonders? And are we, are we saying one thing to them, but are we living something else? Um, <clears throat> there's, you know, there's a lot of reasons for those numbers, and those numbers are not just, of course, um, born-again apostolics, but they are numbers <clears throat> that reflect the church as a whole. And a lot of the students have said these are some of the reasons that they have moved away from the church. They say they have a lack of adult relationships. They view the church as unkind, hypocritical, unloving, and irrelevant. And, you know, there's, there's a big theme right now of deconstruction. And of course, deconstruction is happening more in the young adult stage than the teenage stage. And <clears throat> Kara Powell and her teams at Fuller, they did some research and they said 70% of graduating seniors from youth groups admit to having significant doubts about their faith. And, you know, while that makes me, again, pause and have a moment of, oh, my goodness, um, <clears throat> there's, there's just, I don't know if we're giving young adults an opportunity to express and explore their doubts. And because they found that when young adults can express and explore their doubts, that that actually correlates to a greater faith maturity. And so um, Kara says that it's not doubt that is toxic, but it's silence that is toxic to faith. <clears throat> and so when we're dealing, not dealing, but when we are opening ourselves up to these young adults, if we have silence for the questions that they're asking, that is very, very harmful to their faith. One of the questions, um, one of the ways that she says to open up questions with, um, open up conversations with young adults is something that starts with, I wonder. Like, I wonder how your belief about this can, connects to your experience here. Or I wonder if you're curious about, you know, different parts of your life and how those all connect with the working of the spirit. And really allow young adults to be curious. And instead of us being confrontational, for us to lean in and say, hmm, yes. I see I see that you have a lot of questions there. Another um, phrase that she uses is, I don't know, but. And I'm going to link to a podcast where she explains this in great detail. She says, you know, if, if you're talking with a young adult and they're asking you questions, you could say, I don't know. But here's what I found to be true about God. And then you you walk with them and you explain to them what it is that, that God has done for you that makes, makes you be the resilient disciple. She also says that we ought to ask, instead of making statements, that we should ask questions instead. You know, um, what is God inviting us into? Or what is God inviting us into? And what 
do you think that God is, is expecting of us right now? And what are some things that you know that God is, is wanting to do in our lives? I, I think that there are so many ways that we could break down these walls that a lot of young adults have built and we break them down and we come alongside them and we say, you know, if you ever have any questions, you know, we could go for a coffee or, you know, bring the, the young adults alongside us <clears throat> because what we can't, what we can't do as a church is, is to, allow those numbers of high school students to just leave the church. We, we've got to do everything in our power to, to make them realize that they have a place. <clears throat> now, back to the Old Testament. So King Darius had an event that he couldn't reconcile. He couldn't figure it out. So the king called for Daniel because Daniel was living true to the spirit of God in his life. Now, in a previous reign, King Nebuchadnezzar had made Daniel the chief of all the magicians, all the astrologers, all the Chaldeans, all the soothsayers. Because Daniel was living to honor his God, he made a greater impact on the culture than most of his peers while they were slaves in Babylon. Daniel had chosen that he was still going to be a resilient disciple. He was still going to serve God with all of his, his mind, soul, and strength. And King Darius said this about Daniel. I've heard that the spirit of God is in you. I've heard that an excellent, you have an excellent spirit and you have wisdom that's found in you. And I've heard that you can give me the interpretation of these things and you can solve riddles. So this was the king saying this about Daniel and remember, Daniel was in exile. Daniel was living in Babylon. And of course, God was pleased and granted Daniel everything he needed for the king at that moment in time. So my question is this, how are we doing in this digital Babylon? How has it been such a long time since you've revisited Jerusalem, like where you're from and its temple that was designed to bring God glory? Or have we forgotten um, what Jerusalem looks like, and are we more Babylonian than we are children of the king? And maybe this has spurred something in you that you want to do some further study in one of the resources I'm going to link in the show notes. Perhaps it might be time for you to reprioritize your spiritual callings and those longings of intercession and allowing yourself time with the Almighty to soak in his presence and to become more like Jesus than like the pickle in the culture or like Babylon? And are we capable of hearing from God and prepared to solve problems and interpret things for people that don't know God, just like Daniel was? Are we prepared to sit and lean in to answer the questions of the students and the young and adults in our lives? And have we established rites of passage for high school seniors, for doctrine, and for becoming a resilient disciple as they go off to college? Have we given teens and young adults a seat at the table? And have we given them both a vote and a voice? Are we engaging young adults over coffee and mealtimes? And are we available to them and their curious questions? If you're here and you're a young adult listening, thank you for being here. I and NextGen would love to know your curious questions and the things you're wondering about. I want you to grab the link in the show notes and the resources. I want you to engage with NextGen on social and please let us hear some feedback. 
Go out and be a resilient disciple for Jesus Christ. Thank you for your time today and may the God of the Bible come to life in your life. I love each of you. Thank you for listening with us today. Make sure to subscribe to the Oklahoma Next Gen Leaders podcast and social media so you can stay up to date on our newest content. Until next time, we pray this episode ignites something within you.